0: So if you are sitting here very confused because you've never heard of Eden, you don't really know what that is, that's okay. Um, Eden is the, what we've been called, called the, primarily the youth work here at All Hallows. And we've had a kind of a dedicated team and it's part of a wider network. Um, that resources or that kind of sends people to live in an area and do mission to young people, primarily um, with the local church. And when All Hallows began, um, or not began, it's been going for a long time, but when Chris and Becky came, there was kind of this restart and um, new energy. And they invited Eden to partner with All Hallows to make sure there was a core team of people who would hold mission to young people as their priority and that they would do that in the context of long-term relationships. And after nine years of this kind of formal team pioneering this mission and persisting in it and pursuing it, um, and dreaming and casting vision for the future, um, we ha- have got to a point where we feel like there's some changes that are going to be made that are really exciting and that are going to mean that the youth work here is going on for another nine years, 18 years, 90 years, whatever it was that Tim was praying. But it's going to have a different name. So we were on retreat as a team a few weeks ago um, for a weekend and that felt like the culmination of quite a long journey of us really listening to the Spirit and um, kind of talking back and forth about how do we make sure that the mission to young people can continue here and is part of this church and the thought was and the thing that we really sense that is right with the Spirit is that we're going to finish this formal team of Eden and instead we're going to have the All Hallows Youth team And it'll be a bit different. And um, there's quite a few people who are part of All Hallows that have been on that team, but have stepped off, but actually still doing the youth work. So hopefully, um, if you know anything about the youth stuff here and Eden, you'll agree that it makes perfect sense. And um, we're going to be gathering this kind of youth team together to be praying together and supporting one another um, termly rather than kind of meeting weekly like it has been. So it'll look a bit different, but We hope that this will mean there's just this bigger group of people that really hold the mission to young people within church and um, that it's going to give a real joined up thinking as well. So right from um, detached where we kind of meet young people for the first time out on the street who've had nothing to do with church, right through to when we meet on a Sunday morning with those young people who are on a journey walking closely with God. And in a bit, I'm going to share some of the specific things that we're doing As a youth team that I'd love to invite you to think about getting involved in. So although it's kind of an end to Eden Bow and that phrase in particular, it's the start of something that was always the aim, which was a youth ministry owned by the whole church. Um, And so over the next little while, we're going to be phasing out the word Eden because we really felt that could be... It's kind of a bit of a barrel. This is weird, like ooh, the Eden team, <laughs> mystical people that do mystical things with young people. And instead, it's going to be the All Hallows Youth Team. Um, it just says what it does in the tin. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff that, as Eden, we've really held dear to, and we've really like prioritised. that like, we're really passionate about prayer walking and being really present on our streets um, and praying, and really passionate about getting to know our neighbours and that kind of real personal mission, one to one. And um, with people and so again we're going to be kind of sharing that wider with the church and church already do all these things which is the beautiful thing about All Hallows and that partnership is that we've kind of grown together over these nine years Um, so that was already all happening we're just formalizing that thing that it's already happening and giving it a different name so it's not this slightly odd thing so Before I kind of share some of those specifics about how we'd love you to think about supporting the youth work, getting involved in youth work and praying for us, thought I'd just share three things um, that I've held dear over Eden that I am really passionate about and that All Hallows I know are really passionate about as well. So Eden is a, like I said, it's this network of thing that's been running for 25 years where they gather people to move into an area and love young people and to call a place home. And when I came across Eden, it kind of captured my heart because it captured some things I'd already seen in place. There were some friends of mine were already doing Mission Chiang people in a, in a tough area of Birmingham. And I'd seen that it worked. I'd seen how people were then able to have conversations about Jesus. And there was something there that was different than when people just ran in, ran a youth club and disappeared for the rest of the week and were just there for sessions. And so when I came across Eden, was able to join that network of people. And first of all, I was part of it in Sheffield before coming down here um, to be part of it with All Hallows. One of the things that really captured me was this idea that Eden had of making a place home. And home is a word that I kind of use flippantly sometimes, I suppose. Like, if I go away somewhere on holiday, um, I'll refer back to, like, the campsite or the Airbnb as home. Like, oh, when we get home, and I mean, like, a tent in a field. Um, and I can remember when I was at university, commenting to my mum about, oh, when I get home. And what I meant was my student accommodation. And she got really offended because, for her, home was her house. And I was like, oh, I just mean literally where I'm sleeping. Um, like, it's just a kind of word that I refer to, yeah, wherever I'm sleeping that night, I suppose. Um but it's also a real concept that also is quite deep. So I don't know if you've ever been somewhere and once you've visited that place or spent time in that place, there's such a different connection. So when the Australian wildfires were kind of all over our news, that was something that connected with me slightly differently than some of the other tragedies that we get across the news because earlier or last year, I had the privilege of going there and there's a particular place in the Blue Mountains, which is these incredible like, I don't know, the forest, I suppose, that just gone for miles. And Phil and I had had the privilege of being there for two nights. And someone sent me a photo of a place where we had stood. And in the photo, when you looked out, it was just covered in thick smoke because of these fires and it was burning. And that photo really stuck to me more than any others that I saw of the wildfires and, and any more than perhaps other things that were in the news because I'd been there. And for a few, kind of moments, that place had been home for us in our like tiny camper van with a baby and um, there was something significant that had been there in that place that meant there was a real feeling there and when you make a place home there's that feeling as well oh there's something different there and what All Hallows call us to do is to be local as church and Eden's big thing is that we go and we make a place home. And we get that from Jesus' example. God could have done so much from heaven. He's like almighty, all powerful. We've sung songs about how like the mountains bow to him, like everything is under his control. And yet he chose for a tiny period in history to make a place home, to make our world home, to be present in that place with people because then there was a connection there. God came and made a connection with us that is different to any other connection because He called a place home. And so for me, I chose to come and be here and make this place home. And when I moved here, um, Eden kind of asked you to make a place home for five years. I said, "I'll oh, commit to five years." And when I came, I was like, "I know that's not long enough." From all the things that I've read about these long-term relationships and being present somewhere to really make a difference for the gospel needs to be longer. So I was like, "Oh." I'm going to do at least 10. I want to be there double what they, what they ask you for. And um, so then, so we came and we've made this place home. And when you make a place home, it connects with you in a different way. So it means that the people that I get to know see me differently as well. So I don't get just to rock up at a youth session having made sure I have brushed my hair and uh, got dressed in a cool way that I connect with young people and make sure I'm on form. Instead, my neighbours and the young people that I bump into get to see me in all sorts of states. Um, so I've been to the shop in my pyjamas when I've run out of milk and people have seen me like that. They see me in the morning when I'm taking Cohen to nursery and I'm all like, oh, and like covered in goodness knows what. Cohen had for breakfast that morning. Um, there's just all sorts of different like states of being that people get to see you in and there's an honesty and a vulnerability there there's no like hiding away they get to see me when I'm like red and sweaty faced from a run as well as when I'm like dressed up maybe to go out and have made the effort um, to look good and good cool there's also something about being here and being present in a place that means you see things that visitors don't see so we get to see the amazing things and the joyous things that happen on the estate and the beautiful little details that people don't notice sometimes you get people that know that we live in the east end and all they hear are the news stories maybe that come up about how it's maybe a terrible place to be or there's violent things that happen we get to share the beautiful parks that we have and the amazing canals i went to visit somewhere with young people actually a few years ago and they're like oh one of the things you could do is go for a walk on the canals Like we are surrounded by beautiful canals in East London and we picked something else to do because we get all these like beautiful things that visitors don't notice um, because we get to like spend time here. But it also means we get to notice the things that, again, visitors don't notice. So we get to notice when the spot outside our house is constantly used for drug dealing or we get to notice where the cans build up in particular parts of the area when you walk through. Or you get to notice when your neighbor's suffering from dementia because you can hear it through the wall. Or you get to notice some of the arguments that are happening with the neighbor upstairs. Or when the blocks heating disappears or the water breaks, you experience that as well. And you're doing that alongside people. And there's something different there. And I think one of the things that's really important for us in making a place home is that while we get to celebrate the highs, we also really feel those lows. So while we've been here, there's been some real incidents that have happened that have been heartbreaking, where people have been attacked and people have lost their lives. And we feel that deeply because this is home. It's not necessarily we know those people at all that are involved, but it's affected our community. And therefore it's affected me because this place Is home and it matters to me. And what I loved about Eden was there was this call to make a place home, not just to work with young people in a center, but to invite them into your home. And so they know where you live, they can knock on your door when um, perhaps their social worker's phone numbers turned off and that's fine because we have to have boundaries but when they're in that desperate place they know where you are and can come knock on or maybe they just need to borrow something and um, we had a family that lived and um, one of the places I lived they lived opposite and often they had no phone or working phone or credit and they'd come and like borrow our phone that was great or they'd borrow tools my husband has the biggest cupboard of tools you've ever seen and um, he now has a set for lending out and his special tools and um, I always get them the wrong way around and we'll was in trouble he used to label them um, but yeah people would come and borrow stuff and it's just something different there about the relationship and we see that in Jesus because he chose to come and be present with us and make a place home and it was home for him for 30 years before he did anything ministry-wise he's present in that place and secondly and connected with that is this idea of long-term relationships again like I've mentioned Eden kind of asks you to commit to somewhere long-term And what I love about this church is there are people who have committed to being here long term, even when sometimes that's really costly, like literally costly (laughs) to live here long term. And London is a truly transient place. and People come um, and go quite frequently. Maybe they're just here for a bit for studying. Um, Most people, I would say, like rent as well. And that's kind of like a one year contract thing. And so people come and then they go and then perhaps they get the better job. And so they move somewhere else in different places. And so for those people who have been part of this church for a long time and have been able to say, no, we're staying, there's something really significant in that long term relationship. Now, Eden is a network that is all over the country. It's actually a global thing now, which is um, really exciting. And when Eden first started, it started in Manchester. And lots of those communities had been very long term communities. People did stay and it was weird for people to move in. So when people chose to like move in and live in those places in order to kind of share the gospel and do youth work, it was weird. People would be like, oh, who's this moving in? This is new. This is exciting. Who's this? What's going on? And would ask questions. Here in London, it's quite common for people to come in and go and, oh, the neighbors changed again. What, n- n- not really first. And what we found, having been here for a long time as an Eden team, is that it was after that two, three years, people were like, oh, you're still here. You're staying. I see. Right. And that is when we really found things began to change. And those relationships began to change because there was a commitment there that they saw that we were here long term and that we hadn't given up on them. And I was thinking about um, where in the Bible we kind of see this and there's so many stories of like long term stuff. But I think the biggest picture is God's relationship with Israel. And God has this relationship with Israel that is so long term. He calls them right from the beginning and he journeys with them on this epic journey. And God throughout that journey is faithful and consistent and he's there with them kind of every step. And it's Israel that wander off and moan and complain and he rescues them from Egypt. And weeks later, they're like, oh, we missed the cucumbers we had in slavery. Like, I don't want my freedom. I want a cucumber. And um, cucumbers are not that great. And um, there's something about God's beautiful relationship Um That is something that we can hold on to. When things are like really hard in some of those relationships, it's good to remember there's a big picture. Because again, we often want those like quick things. Eden, a few years ago, published a book of stories of um, things that we've collected over as a ministry over all the years. It was for our 20 years, I think. And the book was called Unfinished. Because what people want to read when they read ministry stories are, um, this was this person I met, this was a situation, um, this was the journey we went on, and now, bang, look at this, it's amazing. Here's the end of the story. But the truth is we rarely find the end of the story because things just keep going. People like, continue to live their lives. No matter what point we come in and out, things continue. And often the stories are unfinished stories. And we have to remember that God's journey is a long journey. Often it's a slow journey. Israelites in the desert for 40 years as God worked with them and taught them things and journeyed with them and began to build a nation. And he continued to journey with them and walk with them as they began to take the promised land. And then once they'd settled, he continued to walk with them and journey with them as they worked out what it was to be a nation that had land, permanent land. And as people who are working with young people to be that long term relationship has been incredible and such a privilege. The first summer that we were kind of here as an Eden team, we were here f- to work with young people, to work with the teenagers. And we borrowed a panna cage, which is like a, like a big metal cage. Basically, they play football in kind of one on one or two on two. Um, we borrowed it from somebody um, and uh, we put it up on the green. It was going to be amazing and we'd advertised it and basically no teenagers came <laughs> and it was really gutting. Instead, what we had every day were kids, like in year six. And I was like, I have not to run this project to run stuff for children. I was like really annoyed because we knew there were teenagers out there. We'd like met these teenagers. We'd have these annoying children um, hanging out, meaning all the teenagers wouldn't come. Um, but what's amazing is... Nine years later, I still know those young people and I have got to journey with them through secondary school and now into college. And as they begin to find jobs and what a privilege that is for me to have been able to do that and to get to know their friends and walk with them as they work out who are they, what are they doing with their lives as they make mistakes and as they mess up and as they do amazing things and we get to celebrate with them. That long term journey has been beautiful. And with some of the young people that we got to know, one of the very first young people I got to know did some, you know, journeyed with him for a long time, but also got to mentor his younger sister. And there's been something beautiful about getting to know whole families. And again, there's another family. We worked first of all with the sister, then we got to know the twin brother. And then um, the little sister was always so jealous she couldn't come to stuff. And then she started to be able to come to stuff because we were still here like all these years later. So then she got to be a part of the work we were doing as well. There's also something about being able to be a real advocate for young people when you get to journey with them for that long. There's a young person that I've worked with who um, has kind of social work involved and has had various like health professionals involved. And those people have changed at an alarming rate. Just because of the way that cuts happen and um, various things. Social workers have moved on rapidly for her and she has had constant changes. She's also been at numerous schools um, because of different things that happen. And I've been the person, along with some of the other people through Eden, that have got to sit with her in those different meetings with her mum. To remind her that there are people that won't abandon her and leave her and walk with her and also stand up for her. Sometimes the notes that were made from meetings were incorrect and things would be shared about her. And I'd be able to say that is not true. That's not what happened. That has been misrepresented. This was what happened in that situation. You need to change those minutes because that's not the case. And that has been a real, again, position of privilege um, for me to be able to be that voice with her and to be long term with her. And sometimes that long termness and that unfinishedness is some of the things I cling to because there's some young people that I've worked with. And when I think how long I've worked with them and journeyed with them and where they're at now, it's really heartbreaking because sometimes they seem like they're in worse places and in really messy places. Or sometimes we just keep seeing the same cycles. And that happens with the Israelites. God must have been like banging his head on a brick wall sometimes, just with the cycles that they went on of coming back and going away and running off with other nations and other idols. But then they'd come back, come back, and God would know that there's a longer story. And so for me, I hold on to that there's an unfinished story with those young people, and that if I stay around long enough, maybe I'll get to see like a conclusion with some of those and some breakings of cycles with some of that stuff. And sometimes I won't, and that's okay as well because I don't have to be the person that's there every step of the way, but maybe they'll get to move away and there'll be something different. I have to trust that God has got them and that God is the one that is going to do that epically long-term journey with them. And then what really um, captured my heart, um, that Eden captured my heart with was the young people. So I trained as a youth worker, um, I'd done kind of young volunteering stuff as a teenager, knew that I wanted to do youth work, went away and trained as a youth worker. And I was looking at what could I do when I finished, where, where could I get involved? And Eden put young people at the forefront of all that they did. What they really recognised was that they wanted to see whole community transformation. They wanted to see the gospel spread through whole communities and through whole families, but they wanted to focus on the young people. So there was something really significant about them. And so you might have lots of passions about different things and maybe it's children or um, the elderly or whatever. But for me, it's young people and my heart breaks for young people and God has placed them on my heart. So you're going to have to listen to me talk about them for a few more minutes, I'm afraid, because I have the microphone. Um, but God loves young people and he uses them. And I think often sometimes as a church, we're guilty of forgetting that. When you read some of those stories and you really look at how old some of those young people were, Sometimes we forget how old they are as well. Sometimes these people are like mega old and we should definitely respect our older people more for some of the things that God is going to use them for. But when you think about stories like Samuel, so God, um, there's a kid called Samuel in the temple, a child, he's been brought there by his mum and he's just kind of serving there and um, God speaks to him directly. This is in a point where God often spoke through specific prophets or specific kind of priests and God speaks directly to Samuel. And the priests have to have to give him the floor, basically, and be like, OK, God's speaking to you. Let's hear what's going on. Samuel goes on to become this quite uh, yeah, powerful voice for the Israelites. But God first uses him as a child. David is first kind of picked out by God as a child. He has an epic journey. David, if you read his whole story in the Bible, when he's first kind of picked out and anointed um, by Samuel, um, he... He's just a child, and the dad brings uh, the prophet all his brothers first. Oh, it must be this, brother. must be my oldest son. It must be this one. It must be this one. Eventually, the prophet's like, "Do you have any more?" Because it's none of these. And they're like, "Oh well, there's like the littlest one." And they're like, "Yeah, bring him." David's a kid when God first picks him. The disciples in so many paintings are like these old men, but as we've often mentioned in All Hallows, I like to point out that actually lots of them were young people. They were still young. There's a guy called Timothy that's talked about in the New Testament as like a church leader. And it says um, at one point, Paul's kind of like, don't let anyone put you down just because you're young. He's still a young person and people aren't always listening to him. But he's been appointed by God to be a leader in that space. God uses young people. And he uses them, I think, because when you spend any time with young people, there's something really contagious about them. There's a real passion in them. There's a real creativity in them. There's this is kind of beliefs often in young people of like, well, we can just do that. We should just do this. Or we have conversations. Sometimes as adults, it's really frustrating when we talk to you guys because you're just like, well, clearly that's stupid. The world should just do this. That leader should just do that. And we're like, well, it's a bit more black and white. Like, you know, there's so many grey areas and oh well, this is being the way oh, we couldn't do that. And we just need to listen to some of the young people a bit more, I think, and capture um some of their passion and just like go for it attitude. In the prayers kind of taught mentioned about how we see young people like leading revolutions and leading charges and cause of action. Because they hold on to stuff so strongly. Sometimes I look back at like my teenage self and all the things that I held dear and really like pushed on and perhaps I gave up certain things or um I don't know, just like really believed in stuff, and then I just just let it go a bit as an adult. We're like, well, you know, there's other things. Just a bit busy, too, too busy to think about that. Just, oh, I felt really challenged, and I was thinking about it a few years ago of like just to remember like how passionate I was about certain things, and that I need to capture that again, not just get bogged down in like adulting um, and things. And working with young people breaks my heart because I think there is so much injustice that they face. And because they're young people, they actually hold in many ways so little power because they can't do things like vote. So people don't care what they think, won't listen to them. I think young people bear the brunt of so much in terms of cuts and stuff. I was read this article over Christmas that made me so angry um, of an estate in South London, this um, big youth centre and that was doing loads of work with young people, particularly young people like really on the edge, really on the um, at risk of um, all sorts of things. And they redeveloped that estate and they did build them a new youth centre as part of the redevelopment but it was half the size of the old one. And so the same number of young people were coming to that youth centre but there wasn't as much space for them. So lots of them were hanging out outside. Um, the centre and lots of them were involved in all sorts of things. Um, And so there was lots of activity happening around the youth centre that the residents didn't like. And so the residents in this news article um, were campaigning that the youth centre was closed and turned to a coffee shop because they didn't want young people hanging around outside. It made me so angry. i build them a bigger youth centre, like recognise what they're doing, recognise the work that's been happening with these young people, don't cut their space in half and then demand their leave because they're taking up a bit of your space. That's not cool. That made me so cross. Because those young people just didn't matter to those developers. And I think we squashed so much of their potential. I think the education system, there's some incredible teachers out there, but there's so much like boxes to fill and red tape, and like you have to squash them all through the same system. And so, and people fall to the wayside a little bit and struggle. And once they're, they're out of mainstream, like I've seen how hard it is for them to battle and their parents to battle. And they just aren't the people that they need often to walk with them. Like the thresholds in this borough to be able to access uh, mental health care and provision, for instance, is so high. It's just tragic. Like they have to reach breaking point for us to do anything about it because there just isn't the provision there for them when they first begin to perhaps need a bit of help. I went on some training a few weeks ago um, about suicide prevention and how to like spot weighing people um, and maybe having suicidal thoughts and how you can like have conversations with people and just really open up that whole topic. Like, Let's not keep it like hushed uh, back and like a weird thing. Um, and It was really useful training, but there's this real moment um, for me that struck me where um, in Finland, I think it is, I've done this huge, massive study. They've been following a huge cohort of people from birth, um, from um, the very early 1980s and kind of tracking all these different things to try and see if there's any like predictors when people um, might suicide. And what they found in boys, and it was boys specifically, was these very specific markers. That if they had these, it was really likely um, they would have suicided um, or attempted uh, suicide by the age of 18. And the markers were things like... Um, acting out, being aggressive, uh, struggling at uh, school, having ADHD. And as there's, there's a kind of list of all these things, and these were things right from birth, like if the child cried loads, um, or was like really fussy. Um, there's kind of this whole list of stuff, and they were saying if by seven it hasn't been picked up, that's, you know, it's really bad, that needs to be picked up really early, all this kind of stuff. And as they listed these things, what I thought was, every kid that I work with who's in a PRU would tick this list. And instead of them getting help, they've been kicked into a PRU, which is a people referral unit, because they are difficult to work with, no one wants anything to do with them, because they're troublesome, they disrupt my classroom, they're hard to work with, they're rude. And all I could think was, all we have done is shove them in a corner, I want nothing to do with them. And the government keep making cuts and cuts because there aren't enough workers to come alongside these young people and really support them when they need it. And so poor teachers are struggling because they've got huge classrooms. And so they can't cope when there's someone who's really you know disruptive and aggressive, perhaps, in their classroom. But there just isn't the provision there to kind of work out what to do so they end up getting kicked out of school. And they end up in this these cycles that don't work and they don't attend school, they don't attend the PIU and they just get lost. Like I've seen them and they end up in even worse places. And according to this huge study, the likelihood of them attempting suicide by 18 was dramatic. And I just think it was so tragic for me. And it made me think even more how important this kind of stuff is that we're doing as All Hallows. Because a church, what we have done is say that young people really matter and these young people really matter. And as Eden, as a team, we have spent time on the streets with young people who would tick all these boxes. And we've walked around the streets. And we have so many stories over the nine years of kids that we have worked with, the things that we have done, the places we've been. If you want a fun story, you can ask Mary about a residential she did with some lads and one of the items that they brought with them that she had to uh, take to the police station. (laughs) And uh, yeah, just some of these things. And it's been incredible to walk with them and journey with them and just see how amazing these kids are. Some of them have the most entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, pure or whatever that word is, uh, spirit. Um, but what happens is it gets channeled into drug dealing. And then then they get in huge trouble and end up in prison or whatever. And there's no positive stuff. But we just get to see beautiful sides to these young people because we've spent time with them and not written them off. And the news isn't helpful. It makes everything black and white. There has to be a goodie and a baddie. There's some young people that we work with who were involved in a stabbing and it would be so easy to say that this person stabbed this person so therefore he needs to get locked away he's the baddie in this scenario but we know it was far more complicated than that there are a lot of young people in that situation that we're carrying we're not sure whose weapon it was in the first place or who started on who it's it's messy lives are messy young people's lives are messy the society just often doesn't care, doesn't seem to want to know. And so we just get rid of them because they're, they're too hard to work with. Valhalla says, let's spend time with them. Let's get to know them. For a long time, we ran a music-based project. I know nothing about rapping or music equipment, but somehow we ended up getting a recording, mobile recording van to begin with that would come down. Then we bought a load of equipment. I know how to plug all of it in. Don't ask me to run it um, or anything, but I could plug it all in for you and uh, press go. Um, But we ran that for a while in the children's room at church. And there was one occasion where... We often only just got a handful of kids. Loads of kids turned up, and we were not prepared <laughs> for this number of kids. I was like on the WhatsApp to the team being like, Help us now! Like, please, anyone come! This is crazy. And they like trashed the church. They got hot chocolate everywhere and like squished marshmallows into the carpet. And they like, Yeah, they threw, I think, again, it was hot chocolate, all over one of the big paintings. Like, oh, it's absolute carnage. And we, like, cleared up best we could. And I had to be like, I'm going to have to tell Chris they've, like, trashed the church. Like, this is awful. It's in this email. being like, I'm so sorry they have ruined your painting. Like, I have done my best to, like, clear it up. I don't know what to do. And, like, all these things. And the email I got back from Chris was like, don't worry. We're so glad these kids are here. And I've kept that email. It's still in my my inbox. (laughs) Because church care about these kids. There were so many churches that would just never even let us have them in the building, let alone be like, oh, it's all right. We had a dance that broke a window in church. And again, that's like a pain. I'm sure Chris was like inside, but that's not what was presented uh, to us as Eden. So young people matter to me, as you can see. <laughs> and I think they really, really matter to so God. And this Eden ministry that I joined like, nearly 12 years ago, whole young people very dear. And what they want all of those young people to know is that they are valued by God. And that Jesus is with them, even when the Eden team can't be with them. Jesus is there in those situations. And so Hallow's partnered with Eden. But what we want to say now is that it's it's all of ours. It's a church family ministry, just like the other ministries are held by the whole of church. We want the whole of church to hold this ministry um, to young people, this mission to young people, and this discipleship to young people. And so there are some specific ways that you could get involved if you want to. I know sometimes because there's been this kind of commitment that you have to live in the patch and, and really commit long term. People aren't really sure what's going on. Um, or whatever they've, they've not jumped in, but we'd love to invite you to jump in, um, with stuff. What we would love more than anything is mentors, for young people. We've got a few young people. We'd love to just have someone to journey with them one to one. Often we just set out for a year, just is like a real year of intensive like good relationship. Then once that year is over, the young person knows they can still go and chat with them, um, that person, but it doesn't have to be quite as intense. Um, if you chat to John Hudson, he's been like weekly meeting with the young person for something like five years, which has just been amazing. He's an utter legend, that man. Um, so if you, if you in any way be interested in like journeying with the young person, please chat with me. We'd love to be back on the streets more. We haven't done it consistently for a while and we would love to be back on the streets. Um, So we thought first of all, maybe we could go for once a month, we'll be out and there'll be a core little team that are going to go out each month and we'd love to invite you to join in. It's like the Homeless Outreach. There's that beautiful core team that go out each month and invite us all to join in. We'd love to do a similar thing um, here with the young people. We'd love you to get involved in how we can use the cafe and have that as a good drop-in space. Um, Sunday mornings, that discipleship, and if you think, oh, I've never worked with young people or couldn't do that, I'd love you to chat with Ed and Louise. They're not here so I can talk about them. But when they joined Eden, they'd never worked with young people. And they're now the most incredible youth workers, I think I know. like They're just amazing. And their first um, winter here, we did carol singing and hot chocolate like outside the shops and a group of kids that we'd kind of seen we didn't really know them very well they stood and threw stones at us as carol singers like for the whole time and ed and louise were slightly to the side doing the hot chocolate and so they bore the brunt of that then people shouted abuse at louise for the most of the time and ed and louise almost quit just like three months in they're like this is ridiculous we can't do it but they really felt after christmas they're like okay no we'll, we'll stick it out a bit longer and they have just been so key in certain young people's lives Oh, I'm so grateful for them. So don't think you have to do anything with young people. Like these, most of the Eden team had probably never done stuff with young people, but they just came with a, a real desire to be present, with people. And then we just love you to be praying for the young people. Maybe you really like don't have the time to commit, or your passion is like young people or old people or um like children, whatever it is. Like that's really cool. We like love or Hallow's, like all these different ministries. Um, and passions that people have um but we'd love you to be praying with us for the young people um so if you feel like you could really be praying for us i'd love to chat with you because we might you know we'd love to send out regular prayer things because when we've had this core eden team we've met really regularly um to really pray and cover the young people and the youth work in prayer and so we'd love to make sure that continues um so I've chatted and waffled for long enough and cried at you it's awkward for everybody here especially the British and um, so I'm gonna end um and we're gonna have some worship and'd love you just to think if there's ways you could get involved um, be praying for us uh, maybe it's just checking in every now and again with the young people that are present on a Sunday how they're doing um yeah so we're gonna I'm gonna pray And uh, and then we're going to worship. So God, I thank you that young people matter to you. God, I thank you that you use models like Eden to connect people with those young people and journey along with them. And I thank you that this is a church that holds dear those things of being local and making home alongside families that holds dear being here long term and really building relationships with people and i think you this is a church that welcomes everybody even young people that will trash the church and god i pray that you would be holding us accountable to not giving up on those young people god i thank you that as a God, you never gave up on your people, but you journeyed with them for so long, and you held that long-term heart for those, that people, the Israelites. And I pray that we would have that as well. Amen. If you'd like to stand, please.